So if you were asleep on Sunday for all the great sports action, I guess we can't blame you because Liberty did not play men's basketball this past weekend. And the Virginia Cavalier men's basketball team clearly would have put you to sleep with how bad they were offensively, particularly in the first half, where at one juncture they were, I'm not joking here, 3 out of 24 from the floor. 3 of 24. They heated up. I'm saying that sarcastically and putting some air quotes behind this. They heated up over the back half of the first half to 40 extra percent so they could finish 5 of 30, 16.7% shooting the Virginia Cavaliers. And I mean, I honestly don't even know what to make of it because on the one hand, they were down 10. And at different junctures, they actually cut that deficit to you know not single digits, but within 6 in the second half and you're sitting there going I don't know whether this should be a testament to Virginia because despite the fact that they're this bad offensively Tony Bennett at least has them playing hard and engaged defensively and they're in the game or if this is an indictment on them is it an indictment on North Carolina because what in the world they could only beat a Virginia team by 10 when Virginia only shot for the game 27.6% from the floor I mean I don't even honestly know what to say But here's the other part. If you were asleep on Sunday, you missed some actual thrilling action. Because it may not be there on the surface to some about where excitement in sports can be, but you can still find some compelling and entertaining stuff. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. At at the end of the day, we turn to sports as a form of entertainment. Hopefully you turn to the fast lane for entertainment, and you had to be informed a little bit as well. A a good blend of it. But that's kind of what this is. And boy, did it deliver. I get it. There's this unconventional idea of women's basketball in general and the attention or lack thereof that it should get, but there are a lot of reasons why that is is very antiquated at this point. From TV viewership to the value of NIL to the fact that brands are continuing to pay these women athletes because of their ability to reach people and that it's carrying over to people watching on TV increased ratings and... Attending like yesterday's sellout crowd, the fifth time this year, by the way, for the Virginia Tech Lady Hokies, that they have sold out Castle Coliseum for a basketball game. Keep in mind, this is a school with no real basketball history, including, uh, up until the last couple of years, women's basketball history. No disrespect to you, Trey, but let's call it what it is. But this group in Blacksburg, and you were there yesterday, they have clearly captured the imaginations, the hearts, and the emotions of Virginia Tech fans as evidenced by the turnout for college game day, making, I believe this is correct, Trey, you might have even put this at Trey Love ET on Twitter, making Virginia Tech the first school to have game day for all three major sports. So I was corrected. Shout out to at uh, the stat man, Damian Salas at Virginia Tech. Uh, it was the third to go with Tennessee and LSU. The to third. have all three. To have football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, you know, Tennessee's been pretty good in basketball the last handful of years. Obviously, we know about Pat Summit and what they've done with women's basketball and football. Has had, they've had plenty of big games there. Same at LSU. We know about football. They've had points where basketball has been good thanks to the strong you-know-what offers of Will Wade. Uh, and then, of course, women's basketball, they're the defending national champions. So it, it, they are the third. But whatever it is, clearly this was a very impactful day not just on women's basketball, but on Virginia Tech as a university or an institution. I mean, just to put in perspective, as soon as it ended, L. Duncan said, and I quote her here, I just have to say you guys, I can't say that word, 
starts with an F, did it, and we'll be back. Kenny Brooks had a much more uh, suitable for the audio waves of the Virginia Talk Radio Network, but way of saying the same thing. We're going to need a bigger room, huh? Um, first and foremost, um, what a wonderful day for not only Virginia Tech women's basketball, but Virginia Tech uh, in general. Uh, you know, game day coming here, selecting Virginia Tech, Blacksburg to come here, and Hokie Nation, I mean, they represent it. Um, you know, they, they, they were out in full force. Um, I told the ESPN talent, I said, you know, we affectionately call them a healthy cult because their passion is so strong for, for the Hokies. And, uh, and the way they came out, um, it, it, was, it was just a great showing, a great showing for our school, great showing for our program. Kenny Brooks, on the impact of yesterday for Virginia Tech, beyond women's basketball, having their fifth sellout of the year, it being senior day, more on that probably tomorrow, but later this week in the fast lane, because that's a different angle to this story of what Virginia Tech did against North Carolina. But here's the thing. It's monumental in the sense as well that for Virginia Tech, the fans care. And it's an entertaining product. They're surging down the stretch. They are now they've clinched a share of the ACC regular season championship. They'll probably win the regular season title because they pretty much have all of the tiebreakers in their favor. Granted, they still have to wrap up the regular season. The next couple of games are on the road before they head to Greensboro. But this was big for Virginia Tech. It's big for sports, and it's frankly an indicator that in a year where, I mean, I don't know where else you turn in terms of exciting stories in basketball. JMU is a good example, but they still have to make the tournament, and they've even though you know they have fewer than five losses this year, they have their work cut out for them to get to the big dance just because the Sun Belt by many is viewed in men's basketball as a one-bit league. But you know, outside of that, there's not a lot. It's a down year in Richmond with VCU, although Richmond, they've actually been a pretty good basketball team this year. Virginia, they're probably going to the tournament, but I may be the only one who who thinks this, but kind of get the vibes with Virginia men's basketball that they might be that team that is surprisingly left out of March Madness where people will go on Selection Sunday, oh, I should have seen that coming, given they don't have a ton of big wins. Florida is the one that's aged well, but the others have not. And then they've had some losses where you're just left scratching your head, including for Virginia men's basketball, Three straight games under 50 points of offense, where it is a tough watch, even for people like me who appreciate the style and like it and appreciate the Tony Bennett defense. And I know plenty of people don't, but I mean, that that's where you are with Virginia. Virginia Tech, we know they're not going to the NCAA men's basketball tournament unless they win the ACC tournament. I mean, we've established that. I know some people have clung to different levels of hope. Virginia women's basketball, they're a great story. They had the upset against Louisville yesterday. It was a good win for the Virginia Lady Cavaliers. They've, they've gotten a number of these now with North Carolina added to the ledger of surprising victories so far this season for the Lady, Ho- the Lady Wahoos. But they are a bit behind in terms of being able to actually make the big dance. Look, if, if you want one team that's producing excitement in basketball this year, it's the Virginia Tech Lady Okies. And frankly, Trey... I mean, you may have to look at an unconventional spot because many folks out there may not be used to women's basketball, but they actually are a fun watch if you're willing to sit down and watch. It's a generational team, too. Like, you have you have a generational player. You, I mean, are you, too, with, with Georgia Amor? She became the all-time assist leader uh, for on the women's side last night um, for Virginia Tech. But if you look at 
Liz Kitley. She is well on her way to be the three-time ACC Player of the Year. She is the all-time, I mean, every major record she has, she has a shot to be the ACC's all-time leading scorer. Um, She, I mean, she just, you know, had a 34 points last night and made it look easy. And wasn't like she was getting easy baskets too. Like it was a lot of shots at the corner or, you know, corner of the block. Like it was, I mean, she went, she got aggressive, went to the free throw line. And, you know, we will see where this, and I, I was corrected this weekend on my assessment on what happened last year wasn't their size that hurt him, it was the physicality at LSU. Shout out to our upcoming guest, David Cunningham, for correcting me on that correctly. So I think her aggression paired with this team of emerging role players, because Kenny Brooks kind of touched on this, is that he had to replace nine players on his team, and these role players are playing so much better now. Um, but you go back to what ultimately is going to get them to that national championship. It's one of the best duos in the country. It's Georgia Amore and Liz Kitley, because if you want to break down the game itself, that second quarter... We'll do the breakdown later this week okay. in the fast lane. Okay. But you can give a cursory overview I was just saying, say, like, it went down they, when Georgia they, went off the floor. But they but, have... But, they have, but that, that indicates, Trey, what, what, what I was saying as well, and I know you've been making this point as well, they've got star appeal to them. They have... I mean... They have the best center in the country and someone with, and I preface that she is not Caitlin Clark, but Caitlin Clark-like ability. In terms of being able to beat you multiple ways offensively and has a good defensive game to match. Um, But I mean, look, there are two sectors of people, I would say, that do not like what what's going on now with Virginia Tech women's basketball. It's a bigger picture point. It was sold out. One is what? Well, hold up. One is that it's, it's kind of ironic because there there may be Virginia fans, and I get it. That's a rivalry school. But if you're discrediting it because it's women's basketball, then let's just go ahead and discredit all the championships that Virginia has won in anything other than men's basketball. Because I mean, look. We know football and men's basketball generate a lot of headlines, but women's basketball has ascended to the point, Trey, where I actually think it's a more compelling product right now than men's basketball, in part because it is a bigger picture point. But you can make more money as a women's basketball player by staying in college longer with endorsement deals and brand recognition and people feeling a connection to you because of your school compared to going pro, whereas in the NBA, everyone knows by the time you get to your second contract, even if you're not that good, you're getting 20 plus million dollars per year. So it's it's a different deal when it comes to that. But here's what's crazy, Trey. I mean, I, again, I get the slumber of the weekend and there's no football on. I get it. You know, you didn't need an offseason from that. But the Virginia Tech women's basketball game, and I thought it was a really good game. I don't think it was the most exciting game. If you're a Hokie fan, you loved it because it went about as well as you could expect from a script standpoint. <laughs> it was a 21-5 to first quarter. <laughs> And actually, to their credit, Carolina cut it within six, a couple of different junctures, including on that half-court heave at the end of the first half. But even into the third quarter, they hung around to the Lady Tar Heels before Tech pulled away. But that wasn't even the most exciting moment yesterday in sports. Here's one that was so exciting that it was the end of the event, and they still didn't tell you who won because it was that exciting. Where does he block? Does he block high? Does he block low? Here it comes. Kyle Bush to the middle. Shooting a gap. No help with Cal Bush. Oh, Suarez right alongside him. Three wide. Off Look turn at this. Four. Here they come to the.
with a flag. Three abreast. Photo finish. How about, I think it's Blaney. Unbelievable. Three wide finish. Have you ever seen anything like that? Scoring. Scoring has the margin between the first three cars at 0.00 seconds. Ah, how awesome was that? Dude, it was. That was great yesterday. And, you know, it's easy to poke fun at Clint Boyer, but full disclosure here, I, the, the race was on one TV. I'm in the house because as it wrapped up, my wife is about to hop on a conference, a Zoom conference or a Teams or whatever it was, video conference. And I had to try to, this is futile as it gets, but distract our twin five-year-old boys. So I've got you know, the, the earpiece in one ear to listen to the race broadcast. And by the way, I know I bagged on PRN at certain junctures, but I actually think they've gotten a heck of a lot better over the last year in terms of putting a race product on the radio and gotten to the level where it, it close, not quite there, but close to the level of MRN in terms of something where you can listen to and go, wow, they're really painting a good picture for you. And PRN, much like Fox, they too could not figure it out at the end. I get it's easy to make fun of broadcasters when that happens. And look, when when you turn on the microphone and you do live lap-by-lap or play-by-play or however it is, some of that just comes with the territory. But Trey, it's because it was that close of a finish. I said, I can't say what I said at the end. I, uh... I actually watched this in a Sonic parking lot on my way home from Blacksburg, Virginia. You should have said a fast food restaurant because they're not a sponsor of uh, Whatever, Ed. I, I, the, You're not petulant like I am. Exactly. I was having a delicious milkshake. And, um, yeah, I just said, holy blape. Um, start with an S. And, uh, yeah. that Atlanta had, like, two bad, like, me. Precursors like the truck race and the Xfinity race were not that good. And then the cup race just, I mean, it's delivered back to back great races. I know the Rain Short race in Atlanta, but leading up to that, it was really good. And, you know, it was a good race. It was, it was a wild finish. And, um, I've never seen something like that in my life when it was three wide and that clean of a finish. Um, but yeah, credit. To Daniel Suarez for getting it done. Credit for Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney for, you know, trying there. And, yeah, it was awesome. That's I, that's the only way I can describe it. It was just simply awesome. Dude, this was a great race yesterday. I mean, it really was. And it wasn't just the, the end, which was phenomenal. There, there were 40-plus different leaders. Like, this was back-and-forth racing the entire way. And, I mean, look, when I'm watching races, I don't want follow the leader here. This is not watching my kids walk from the classroom to the playground and everyone needs to be single file so that we keep the organization. We want kind of the opposite of that to an extent when we're watching a race. And so I'm sitting there going, wow, this is really compelling the entire way. They're different leaders. The one who led the most laps is a guy that you haven't normally heard of, Todd Gilliland, but would have been a more than deserving winner. You get one in Daniel Suarez, who was up there, top 10 driver, for much of the day. But there were all but Still what, a surprise. I mean, he was not expected to make the playoffs this year. He was the one that was maybe on the outs at Trackhouse. Like, you look at the kind of rumors going in. So, it's a surprise winner. 100%. Trey, so, so again, time to get my usher on here with some confessions. These are my confessions. But here's the thing. Before I gave up sports betting for Lint, I looked at... The under, oh, the over-under of 0.5 wins for Daniel Suarez this season. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
Eh, I know it's minus 200, so you would have to lay... I don't lay this much, but let's just try with me here. $2 to win a dollar. There you go. Thank you. For Daniel Suarez, it would it was not cost prohibitive. You would have been better off taking a flyer on Daniel Suarez to win a race. Minus 200 for him to not win a race this year. And I'm sitting there thinking, if he doesn't get it done early, this could snowball out of control real quick with other drivers waiting in the wings. To his ever-loving credit, he found a way to do that on a track that produced that type of finish, and it was exciting yesterday. And the finish is what people will talk about deservedly so. And later this week in the fast lane, we'll discuss other elements to this race and what it actually means. But uh, first of all, Kyle Busch said this to frontstretch.com afterwards, that this was really good quality racing. And whether you're a hardcore NASCAR fan, like uh, I'll say we are in the fast lane, or whether you just like something to be entertained by and use sports as a vehicle for it, Yesterday at Atlanta delivered that, as Kyle Busch noted, to Trey's colleagues at FrontStretch.com, including Tanner Marler, who's going to join us around 5.55 on the back half of Powering the Commonwealth. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. It was fine. I mean, it was dicey. I, I, I liked it when we had the pit stop, and then you kind of had some single file, and then you could kind of make some moves. And even before the pit stop of the, the green flag stop, um, you know, there were some ill-handling cars out there, and guys were starting to fade and move around and have to get out of the gas into good cars could start ratcheting their way to the front and we were one of those good cars we, we were able to make our way into the top five before pit stop started so um you know those i just wish the tires would get to that point sooner so we could make some of that stuff happen earlier kyle bush though by and large praiseworthy of a, a race and he's one of those drivers kind of like denny hamlin where any chance they get to you know turn the negative juices on they do so for kyle bush to be pretty praiseworthy of it relative to him was a very impressive thing as he did to frontstretch.com yesterday when he was critiquing the weight race. But the finish itself, I mean, you have three drivers. It wasn't just a photo finish of two drivers. Dude, it was a photo finish of three drivers. It was three wide to the finish line. And you had to look real hard at the replays in a still photo to determine that Daniel Suarez had won. And even he had never been part of something like that where he couldn't quite see how it was unfolding, but it was wild and exciting for him too. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, at that point, I was, you know, just trying to time the side draft on the eight. I didn't know where the 12 was. I couldn't see the 12. Uh, and I knew, I thought that I had the eight. I knew it was close, but I had no idea about the 12. No idea. So, you know, at that point, I was just hoping. I saw the tower, and I thought I was first. And they told me we got it, but then they were on the review and said, Damn it. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a spe- You know, every time that you get to win races, is special. But to be able to win it in this fashion, this close, with two other great drivers, is, is quite a special. It was. It was really cool. And for fans to watch, this is, this is what you want. It's that exciting. And that's something that delivered in Atlanta yesterday. By the way, more on that. But it, it cracks me up how, oh, now NASCAR fans and drivers are embracing this concept of racing at Atlanta on the tapered spacer. As though we couldn't have seen this potentially coming. As though, oh, we shouldn't have any more of these, really? Tell me after yesterday, here we go again, by the way, Trey, that I have to get my Texas digs in like Bubba Wallace would. Oh, way better than Texas. Yeah. Way better than Texas. But was yesterday's racing, Trey, way better? Oh, way better than Texas. Yeah. Way better than Texas. Or was it not? Because the answer is very clear here. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, Some of it was, you know, two by two by two by two, you know, a little boring-ish, but I just, yeah, it was better. I mean, I, I know Texas is but, as low of a bar but, as it gets. But if, if the result was like the truck race in the Xfinity race, 
I would argue that it wasn't better. Okay. Because those sucked. Those were not very good. And frankly, so, so that's a whole other can of worms. But I'm just saying, like, because that race delivered and it might have been the drivers or the moves or the aggression, that's why it's better. I don't know about... I am not fully sold on the configuration because it give it a couple years to wear out and we'll see what happens. But I'm just saying... It could have been worse. I mean, it didn't start off great. There was a wreck on lap two. Like, it didn't start off great. It may not have started off great, Trey, but by It had large, a banger of a finish. It Not just that. It righted the ship for the majority of the cup race yesterday. And again, if you're a casual sports fan just looking to be entertained this time of year and you're sitting there going, well, Virginia men's basketball clearly is not delivering when they have three straight games of 50 points or fewer. Actually, fewer than 50 points. Um, and you're sitting there going, wow, they can't crack the 50-point mark. That's not very fun. If you're a Liberty fan going, you know, I, I love the Flames. I love Richie McKay, but you know they've stumbled a bit of late here in Conference USA play and a couple games below 500. Uh, I know they're rallying and they're putting the effort in, but you know if you're that, if you're a Virginia Tech men's basketball fan going, clearly it's not the year for us to make it to the NCAA tournament, and I don't even know if they'll make the NIT or want to go considering it's an older roster, and I don't think there's much they can gain for next year when a lot of these guys are not going to be back, and the roster is going to look a lot different next year. But I mean, if you're in that boat, there actually are other things that are exciting in sports that you can view and discuss. So much so, by the way, on bashing Texas through praising Atlanta, because I mean, any excuse to get rid of Texas or just at least make fun of it is a good excuse. We missed the Fast Five at Five-ish window for today. But we'll touch on some of these stories tomorrow in the Fast Lane, and we'll get to some that we did not quite cover in depth with your teams and topics next here in the Fast Lane.